Have you thought about mindset? How much does it impact your performance? I'll have the answer to those questions and more. Think about imagination, language, belief, goal setting. If you want to be a champion in today's world of sports, you must have a great mindset. We'll be discussing the beauty of mindset and the power that it gives athletes on the bear and the ball. We'll be right back. Hi, I am Nick Webster, the host of The Bear and the Ball and the Vice President of Adults on the Cal South Board of Directors. Today, I am very excited to introduce Kat Scardino. She is the mental performance coach at Harvard Westlake School, mental performance coach for LA Premier, and a psychological assistant. She has delved deep into the mind and come up with some fantastic answers, some tricks, some tips and the ability to make you a world-class athlete. Kat, how the devil are you? I'm doing well. I'm very excited to be here. Thank you, Nick. Me too. It's great to finally have someone on the show that is in the same genre that I am. And, you know, for the last <laughs> few years, Kat, I've really been, you know, digging deep into mindset. Um, I went to... Uh, further my education in, in leadership. And I think that had a lot of similarities to the uh, psychological profiles you build up for mindset. But tell us a little bit about your background. Sure. Yeah. So I was an athlete growing up and, you know, experienced a lot of burnout at a certain point. Um, and, you know, it was always really fascinating to me as an athlete that we would talk about how important the mental game was, but I never felt like I was quite prepared enough to, you know, really be at my best mentally. And so um, I ended up going to college and taking some psychology classes, uh, ended up in a sports psychology class at UC Irvine. And after the first day, I was like, why is this not something that I had ever heard of and something that all athletes had heard of? Um, and from there, fell in love with it, um, went to grad school at Boston University and did a dual master's in clinical and sports psychology uh, and got to work with a ton of different athletes, different people, different, um, you know, levels and of performance. Uh, and it was a really, really great experience. And from there, was able to come back out to California and start a private practice, um, you know, really hit the ground running and, and learned really quickly that, you know, sports psych wasn't super well known yet. And that was about 10 years ago. <laughs> um, and so there was a lot of, of having to sell and teach sports psych. Um, and now I can comfortably say after, you know, going through a lot of, of different positions um, that it is much more accepted now, uh, which is really exciting. You know, it's weird as, as coaches, we, uh, especially, you know, I'm, I'm obviously a soccer coach and we always talk about the four pillars, mm -hmm. physical, technical, tactical, and mental. And yet we seem to devote 95% of our practices to the physical, tactical, and technical. 
and just hope for the best when it comes to the mental side of things. Is that something you've experienced over the last 10 years? Absolutely. We, for some reason, leave it up to chance, right? You would never leave up our conditioning to chance or running our plays or our ball skills. That we would never do. But for the mental side, that is something that often happens. And one of the first things I say when I talk to athletes or to coaches um, to sort of disarm them and <laughs> help them understand what we're about to talk about is, hey, how mental would you say your sport is? Now, golfers are like 95%, right? <laughs> but, you know, and maybe soccer is like 50% at the lowest, they will say, but somewhere around 70 to 80, usually they'll say. And then my next question is what you were just saying is, how often do you intentionally train your mindset? And it'll be like zero to 5%, maybe. And yeah, that is that discrepancy is 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 odd, right? So why why do you think there is this discrepancy? Is it because anytime you start delving into mentality, which could lead to which does lead to mental health, do you think there's just do you think it's insecurity uh, on the behalf of coaches? And, and, and they just don't feel comfortable stepping into an arena that perhaps they're not, they're not trained in or they don't truly understand? Yeah, I think there's, I spend a lot of time thinking about this. I work with a lot of different coaches in a lot of different sports. And, um, you know, I wish there was just one clear answer. I think some of it has to do still with the stigma of mental health and the stigma of, um, you know, your mindset as an athlete and that you should, you know, just listen to coach and suck it up and play and know how to be confident and know how to play under pressure. And why didn't you do that? We practiced it all week. Um, you know, and there's still, still that stigma. Um, and with that stigma comes discomfort of, well, you know, as a coach, we usually played that sport, right. That we're coaching. And so we know how to do drills. We know how to come up with our own drills. We know how to train effectively. Um, mental health or, or dealing with the mindset may not have been something that as a player we ever were taught or went through and talked about. And so there's a feeling of um, maybe not being prepared enough to take on that mental aspect. And when we're not prepared, we're not confident. That's what we tell our athletes, right? And so I think that is also part of it. So, you know, adding some education for coaches is really important as well to even get them around to the idea. Um, and some insecurity, maybe. Right. Do, do you think the other component, because I've been thinking about this a lot recently over the last few months because I've been working mindset with uh, the women's soccer team at University of California, Santa Barbara. Yeah. And, um, you know, obviously the head coach was all in on me uh, working with his players. However, the, the interesting thing was results. Now, with mm -hmm. mindset, I really think, the results are in they're intangibles you you can't really measure things except that i feel like i know and the athlete knows that we've done some work and we've had some success but how do you how do you champion that part to maybe other players who are going hmm i'm interested in mindset but i'm not really sure i want to dip my toe in and I, mm -hmm. how do i know if if it's working or not and how can i see if it's working on other players Mm -hmm. Yep, that's a challenging one, right? Because ideally, you it's we would think it was like sports performance or sports medicine, where you do you lift, you go up in weight, right? Your strength gets higher. 
um, sports med, your injury starts to recover a little bit more. With with uh, sports psych, it's a little bit more challenging. And, you know, going through that has, this often comes up, right? It's a process. And it may not be that that athlete actually does better in a game, but that they actually feel healthier as a person which hopefully that would translate and they would do better as an athlete and eventually you would get there. But in the process, it may just be that that person is a little bit happier, a little bit healthier. And then, you know, we're going to see in a couple of weeks that maybe their performance is, is getting better. I have learned that, you know, starting from the outside of working with any athlete, any team, really trying to put down from that athlete's perspective, what they want out of working with mindset. Right. And they may not know. And that's OK, too. That's part of our job is to help them understand, OK, you want to you want to be a stronger, more confident player. And it's probably that we need to work on your self-talk, some visualization and do all of these things. And so I'll even have them kind of rank themselves on a simple Likert scale, like one to ten. I'm totally honest. Ten being like you are as confident as you are possibly ever going to be one. Not at all. Where would you be right now? I would be out of four. Cool. What makes you a four and not a six? What makes you a four and not a two? And so now we're getting info. And where do you want to be in the end of six weeks or whatever, however long, if you're preseason with them or whatever it may be? I want to be at a eight or a nine. Okay, great. Let's keep and we check in with that as we go. So when you describe mindset to athletes, are you trying to sell them on the idea or do you want them to almost come voluntarily? Hmm. Um, probably my selling them on later. I think, I think there's a lot of education in it. Yeah. And part of it is, you know, I'm not going for the hard sell because we, uh, we know that in order, in order for change to occur, even a little bit of change, somebody has got to be at least somewhat motivated. If I can find the motivation, even the tiniest bit of that can work with that. But if somebody is absolutely not ready to be working on their mindset, that's okay. But, you know, it's not going to be beneficial for either of us or whoever else is involved. And, and that might be a different issue we need to talk about. Um, but, yeah, I think education as part of it. I don't know an athlete that can't relate to mindset um, and that is important for any sport or performance. So even relating it to, hey, this can help you with school. This is going to help you in your, your work performance. This is going to help you in your relationships as well, not just your sport that usually, um, you know, allows people to, to see sports psych and mindset in a little bit of a different light. Well, let's start really delving into mindset then and looking at some of the components that help athletes, uh, not only on the field, like you just mentioned, but in the home, in the class, in relationships. Let's talk about imagination. Mm-hmm. When I say that word to you, and you're using it within your mindset framework, what do you see? Imagination. I think of kind of two different things. I think of, you know, imagination being able to utilize your imagination to your advantage, right? And being able to be creative and um, also being able to see that creative, um, successful self in your mind's eye and being able to practice that. I think that is really important and allowing your imagination to kind of, you know, guide you into what you want to be as an athlete. 
Do you think the when you imagine things, you're possibly rewiring your brain? Yeah, research shows us that actually. And, you know, I think a lot of athletes, when I bring up, you know, imagery, visualization, you're like, I already do this. And I'm like, okay, do you just see yourself in your mind's eye? And what is that like? And typically it's like, well, you know, I see myself, but I also see myself messing up a lot. And, you know, which is normal, we're humans. Um, but when we don't train it like a skill, like a physical skill, that's what's going to happen. And you're not going to be able to rewire your brain as effectively and efficiently as possible, right? So that's where bringing in a mindset um, professional is helpful is saying, hey, in order to actually rewire your brain, we need to make sure that visualization is as realistic as possible. Meaning, yes, see yourself, but I also want you to incorporate all of the senses smell what it's like you know what is the um if you have equipment what does it feel like in your hands what do your body movements feel like what are the sounds involved um are there people there watching you and reminding them this is something it's, it's a skill you've got to practice this even if it's just in the morning while you brush your teeth doing a little visualization every day is going to be beneficial that's how you rewire your brain that's awesome. Let's talk about language. And, and this mm -hmm. one to me is, is a fascinating one because it's not only the language that we tell ourselves, but it's the language we receive from coaches. And I, you know, I know from my own coaching experience, the power of one word and how mm -hmm. it can have a positive and negative impact. How does language work within the mindset world of, of, of yours? Oh, yes. Language plays a huge role. And, you know, I think it can be frustrating to coaches and I, even to myself of it, it feels tedious when you're first thinking about language. You know, you're when you're coaching, you get passionate, you're out there, you want your players to do their best, you want to motivate. And so having to think about the words you use and the way you say it can be really daunting. Right. So I really try to take my time with with communication skills with both athletes and the coaches and parents as well, um, and sort of break down, hey, this is the most effective way to have two-way communication. Um, so that not only are you using language that is beneficial, but also you're allowing that player or coach or whatever it is to hear you, right? And so we're having more efficient, effective communication with each other. And you know, it will be down to little things like, owning your own feelings in a statement instead of saying, you know, hey, teammate, you're always late and that's pissing me off. That teammate's going to get defensive. We're not going to resolve that as quickly as like, hey, I'm starting to get really upset with you because you're being, you're late every day. What are we going to do different? Those have two different reactions from the person. And so we have to always be able to understand our language and how it is received by the person or people that we're talking to. Now, as a coach who's worked with both female and male athletes, I sometimes feel like I need two distinct languages. Is that, is that right? Or do you think one language works for all? Um, I think one, I, I'm a big believer in that. I think one language works for all. Um, you know, I think if you're being self-enhancing, you're being an effective coach, it's not going to change that much, really, between male or female, especially if you have competitive athletes, whatever gender they may be. Um, the goal is to win and to perform at their best, right? It really shouldn't be that different. Okay, very good. Um, one of my favorite 
components and and what I believe to be the most powerful thing in all of sports, belief. And I, I you know, I I preach belief all the time to my athletes because when you have it, anything is possible. How do you work on belief with your athletes? Yeah, yeah, it's a hard one, right? It sounds so easy when we just say it. And then athletes are like, wait, but how do I live that? And and I get that. Um, you know, I think when I talk about belief and truly believing in yourself, I have to think about resilience as an athlete. It's not going to go perfectly all the time. That's part of being a competitor is that sometimes you are going to lose. And sometimes you are not going to perform at your best. And that is, is part of it. But are you able to bounce back? And are you able to believe in the fact that you can perform well? And if you don't, you can bounce back and perform at your best. So the segue to that then is grit. And I'm sure <laughs> you've read the book. Um, oh, yeah. And uh, our author tells us that there's a, there's a lack of it in today's society. Would you agree with that statement? I don't know if I would necessarily agree with that there's a lack of it. I do think that the way that we are going to develop and the way that these kids are motivated is different. And so the way that we develop grit might look different now that there is social media involved and higher pressure um, to play play sports at a competitive level even younger than when we were kids. Or, you know, not only now do you have to be a high-level athlete, but you also need to be a 4.0 student for the most part. And if you're not a great, you know, even if you're a good athlete, you still need to be able to get like a 3.5 at least. And that's challenging. That's a lot of stuff to balance now. And so I do think that kids are gritty still. I think it's just getting them to that point might look a little different. So as a coach or mindset coach, Mm -hmm. and obviously we're a little bit older than our athletes, me definitely older than our athletes, (laughs) you're you're still a young lady. Um, How do you put yourself in the shoes of athletes when you haven't walked in their lives? Because as you just pointed out, the lives of teenagers today I mean, it's it's bonkers. It's completely different to when I was a teenager. How do we, yeah, how how do we wear their shoes and think like them so that we can we can communicate on an even playing field? Right, right. No, I often think, oh my gosh, I did not have these stressors when I was a kid. I did not have to worry about people filming or having a bad game or seeing uh, everybody else in the country have their best game and me having a bad night, like, you know, at one click. Uh, so the best thing I think is truly just listening, listen with intention and trying to understand, hey, what does your day look like? What what does that actually feel like for you? Is it, you know, you do have social media or, you know, you do have this really high pressure school you're also going to. Um, what are, what is that like for you? How do you balance it? And just, you know, being incredibly curious because we haven't walked in that position um, and trying to understand what that's like. Cause it's not going to be the same for one kid as the other. I have one kid who refuses to be on social media despite this generation she's in and one who, you know, is it limits him at times um, because he's comparing constantly. And so really just 
making sure we're not having the assumptions about this generation um, and being curious for each kid or team or, or wherever we're at um, with, with their own experiences. Yeah, I love that assumption and, and curiosity, two, two very important words that uh, I think any, any mindset coach needs to uh, understand. Mm -hmm. um, the importance of goal setting. Mm -hmm. when, you, when you set your clients, your athletes, you don't set the goals. They set their own goals, correct? Yeah. It's not me playing anymore. <laughs> and... When your athlete is describing his or her goals and you find that perhaps maybe the goals are a little outlandish, where do you go with that? Yeah. Um, and I think it's funny that high achievers will do that, right? Uh, high achievers will often set really large goals. And so we'll have to ask, like, hey, why, why are, is that realistic? For the seven days we're setting this goal or one month or whatever whatever the goal is is that realistic truly and that opens up a dialogue that we may need to have if it is you know a kid that has no chance of starting on varsity and you know this um you know because they've maybe just started playing basketball <laughs> as a freshman then we need to have a different kind of open honest conversation um and maybe even it's starting, okay, let's start with smaller manageable goals and see if we get there. Uh, goal setting is a tricky one with athletes. I see some athletes curl into a little ball emotionally when I say the words goal setting. I'm like, no, no, it's going to be okay. And part of that is because I think we as athletes set such high goals for ourselves a lot of times, or we don't set them at all. There's this inherent pressure, like I have to get to that goal or I failed and failing is not an option. And so I either won't make them or I will make them and I'm going to feel terrible about them. Um, you know, and so really educating athletes in general, even kids, but any age athlete about, hey, our goals are there to motivate us and to build our confidence and show that we're making progress. And so we want to do that. If you don't hit your mark, which may happen if it's a lofty goal, then that gives us feedback. It's not for judgment. It's for feedback of, hey, that might not be realistic for me right now. Let me readjust my goal and then let's move forward. Yeah, I love that. The fact that the great thing about sports is that there is this immediate feedback loop. And, you know, we, we never really play as well as we think we do, but we never really play as bad as we also think we do. Um, right. You, you used a, an interesting word uh, during that last, uh, that last conversation, emotional. And as we know, sports are perhaps the most emotional thing that we can do because they provide so many highs and lows within the same event. Mm -hmm. How do you work with your athletes to keep their emotions, I don't want to say consistent because that sounds so so controlling, but it is vitally important that your athletes do maintain some kind of emotional control, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you have to have some emotional composure, right? And um, it's so funny because I, I was actually having this conversation a, a couple times this week, uh, and it was athletes saying, well, you're not supposed to be emotional on the court or on the field. And I was like, how many professional athletes in your sport 
do you see crying because they're just putting everything they have out there. That is emotion. Emotion is healthy. You are human beings. <laughs> so that's okay. What we want to be able to do is manage our emotions effectively. And when we don't learn skills to manage our emotions, we don't have composure, right? And so a lot of it, particularly with you know high school athletes, collegiate athletes, is starting with the self-awareness. Like what is their emotion typically because every kid is different every person when you are doing well what does that look like when you are not doing well when you make one mistake when you have certain you know a big crowd versus not a big crowd what is your go-to and you know if it's that you get um you know uh you start to cry and you make a bad a bad play right after then we need to work on that specifically. It's not to alleviate or take away emotion completely. It's to learn the ability to manage it. So how do you go about teaching emotional control when mm -hmm. it is such a, uh, a really a, an explosive topic that can mm -hmm. lead an athlete to incredible heights, but also lead them to perhaps make massive mistakes? Yeah. Yep. And then part of that is that first self-awareness piece. So being, you know, I will have athletes check in with their physical, mental, emotional state throughout like practice and then throughout games. Um, and that's helpful. Uh, sometimes for, for athletes who may be less self-aware and have trouble recalling, because we are poor historians by nature, um, I will sometimes ha sit and watch film with them. And we'll actually watch not for the play so much, but for their emotion after, after a task. And, you know, if it kind of goes to the extremes, you know, we have very emotional um, kind of where you're overly emotional and you're making bad plays. You're, you know, part of your brain that is thinking about um, effective communication and being able to problem solve gets kind of shut down. That's not great. And on the other side, we see athletes who shut down completely emotionally and physically and kind of play hesitantly. And so we, those are kind of the extremes and we usually see people in between, but you know, for the kids that shut down or athletes that shut down, part of that is recognizing it. And, and one thing I'll start with with them is in most sports, you're communicating, you're talking. And so just being and pushing yourself to communicate, whether it's just like, you know, in basketball, I played basketball. So it was you're, you're always talking, just saying your position, where you're at, um, what the person next to you needs to be doing. You need to get your voice and use your voice. Um, that can bring us back to the present moment and out of shutdown mode. For my other side, it's regulating and, and almost calming down. So I'll have them doing quick breathing, using cue words, um, taking a second and having, having themselves recognize when they're starting to get too angry and, and take a, you know, kind of a walk the other way for five seconds and turn around and come back. Um, but we have to come up with a routine almost to calm down in that moment. You mentioned confidence earlier mm -hmm. and, you know, obviously confidence is a choice. Um, it's a skill. Mm -hmm. But how do we build confidence, oh, especially no. through words rather than mm -hmm. deeds? Because that seems to me the hardest thing. Because I, you know, I, I've had players this year. You know, uh, young ladies who were wonderful club players, but they're now playing Division One soccer for the first time. And you could honestly. It, it's almost like you could literally see confidence just draining out of them. Yeah. And they still know how to, you know, pass a ball, kick a ball, <laughs> run with the ball, dribble, et cetera, et cetera. But they, it was almost like they were looking to me for words 
to help fill up their confidence tank. Yeah, yeah, and that's challenging. And I think confidence, that word, sometimes I have a love-hate relationship with that word because it's the thing we tell athletes or they hear the most is, and I often start workshops with athletes of any age and say, like, what is the, the thing you most want to work on? And I would say 90% of the time, the word confidence comes out. And I will typically write it on the board because I already know this is going to happen. And I'm like, great. So can you give me some definitions of what that means? And surely it is different things from different people. Or they're simply like, I'm not sure what it actually means. I just know that I don't have it. And so, well, that's really a tough situation to be in is to just know, have, you know, have this thing, this confidence, um, and you don't know how to get it, but you know you don't have it. That's a really challenging thing. Um, and so sometimes I don't know if, if there's a special word or words to have there. And what I tend to always go back to with confidence is, like you mentioned, is that it is a skill. Um, and oftentimes what it, where it comes from is feeling prepared right? We feel most prepared. Um, I mean, we feel most confident when we had a really good week of training in practice, when we probably ate well, and got enough sleep. And, you know, we were able to get our work done in time, and all of these different things. And that's what actually builds that confidence muscle is all this preparation. And so um, I'll almost not avoid that word, but I will go to the preparation piece. And, and really focus on that. Okay, you are prepared. You guys know how to kick a soccer ball. What else have you done? Have you, you've been training at the highest level on this club team? Um, what else is in your control? What else do you have? Okay, well, I'm really good as a teammate. I know I can be really supportive. I have my, my work done. I watch film. And reminding them and having them come up with all of these things they are doing, that they are prepared and, and being able to believe and know that they're prepared eventually elicits that feeling of confidence yeah no i i definitely agree i think the the confidence is the elixir of sports there's no two <laughs> ways about that but the fuel for sports has to be motivation mm -hmm. now as a mindset specialist how much time do you spend on motivating your athletes or do you do you think that motivation should be an intrinsic quality that athletes should already possess yeah, no, I think that I w it's ideal when they already have that, you know, intrinsic motivation. Um, but a lot of times, and I think through the pandemic, this was really, really highlighted when, when athletes couldn't perform necessarily. So maybe they were able to go outside and practice, but there were no games coming up. There were no competitions coming up. And so I, I saw a lot of athletes at different levels completely lose this motivation and almost panic because they're like, I've never felt like this. I have no motivation to go do anything. And it's because kind of those external motivators, competition, wins and losses, um, being able to compete in general just got taken away. And so there was a really big, you know, moment there that we were able to pull back and say, okay, let's focus on that intrinsic motivation, that in internal reasons that you play your sports right now because we're going to really have to rely on them for the next however long right um in order just to practice and to stay sharp and to do things and so i think a lot of of my athletes really had to be like you know i actually kind of like my sport just because it's the thing that gives me you know exercise or i miss my teammates the most and i didn't think that would be the thing but 
you know, that's the reason that I kind of play. And, you know, really focusing on those internal reasons to keep going. Um, that was just kind of a magnified version of what we do, when, you know, when there's not a pandemic going on um, and trying to balance external um, reasons for, for being motivated with internal reasons. Because if you're just performing because you're worried about coach yelling at you, you're not going to be motivated all the time. That's not going to be it. That can be part of it. But we also need to understand other reasons why you do things and you go out there and you train every day for yourself. So all these all these things we've just spoken about create the winning mindset. But the win the the winning I feel is like the destination. Mm-hmm. The journey though is where all the magic happens. How do you get your athletes to focus on the journey rather than the destination? Yeah, that's a challenging one. Um, and I think part of it is normalizing a little bit that, you know, you don't have to just drop wanting the end destination, that win, that championship. Um, but we do need to focus on on the process to get to that place. If you just skip the process and enjoyment of the process and the work that goes in through the process, um, you're, you're going to end up hitting, you know, demotivators. You might end up with a little bit of burnout. There's there's issues there. Um, and so balancing that, that process mindset was still, okay, I'm doing this for a reason. I'm doing this to get to my ultimate outcome. But if I don't focus on the process, it's going to be a really long, you know, day in and day out. You mentioned a, a word that strikes fear into coaches and parents, <laughs> burnout. Mm, yeah. How do you recognize it? And when you do see it, how do you go about curing it or yeah. at least managing it? Yeah, and that's exactly. There is definitely not a cure in that moment. I wish there was. And, and ideally, we, we identify and manage burnout before it gets there. Um, you know, because it is really chant. When you are burnt out, it's mental, emotional, physical exhaustion right? There is, that means there is nothing left in any of those tanks, right? It is really challenging to be at your best. And if you are at your best in performance, it's going to be taken away from somewhere else, whether it's your mental health, your physical health, at home, whatever that is. Um, it's a really tough spot to be in. Um, enjoyment is gone from sports, um, feelings of success, even if you are, you know, accomplishing things, it's, it's not a great place to be. And oftentimes, when athletes do come to me with burnout, it will almost look a bit like depression. Um, you know, it, it sounds like things like, I've always loved my sport and I, I can't wait to get out of there each day. I dread going to practice each day and I've never felt like this before. Or, you know, it's playoff time and I can't believe I'm even thinking that I might want to lose this game so we don't keep going. It's just a pure exhaustion. Um, you know, or things like it's just not fun. I used to enjoy being there and even my teammates are making me mad. I'm really irritable. Um, I'm having a hard time focusing. Um, and a lot of times there'll be heightened emotion. Um, so there'll be, you know, crying at, you know, ran, I forgot my jersey or, you know, the, the bus isn't on time. And you're like, where did that come from? And so it's just like, you know, really, really running on fumes is, is what I, I think about. And the only way is we really can manage burnout is to change 
some of the schedule, right? And find time to refill those tanks. Um, and sometimes that's not possible. And so we have to truly reframe what is going on um, and, the, and our mindset in that situation, whether that means putting things into perspective, like, okay, can you push for another week? Can you push for another year? What is one tiny thing that you enjoy while you're out there? And I, I had a softball player once that was terribly burnt out, terribly burnt out. And, um, you know, the first three times I met with her, she's like, I hate everything about the sport. <laughs> and I was like, okay, what are we going to do here? Um, parents wanted to go to college. She's on track to go D1. Um, what are we going to do here? And, and one day she came in and she goes, I've been thinking, you ask me every time, what's one small thing I might, I like about being at softball. Um, and I've been thinking about it and I like the smell of the grass when you go out there for softball, like they have it cut, it smells nice. Like there's something about that feeling that makes me feel like home and safe and it's great. And I think wonderful, sure, the grass is fine, but I want you to focus on that for at least a couple of seconds each practice while you're there. Um, and practice some gratitude, practice some, you know, compassion for yourself and, and some enjoyment there for that. And slowly it started to pick up on like, okay, and I talked to this friend this day and that got a little bit better. And so it was like little tiny things we would build on to, to enjoy your time in that sport and back in that process. But perhaps it's a tough one. Sometimes, sometimes it gets to a point where people actually need to step away for a little bit. Well, I honestly, it, it sounds to me that you are the master of your craft. And I have, you know, we, we spoke about earlier that coaches have a hard time understanding how to teach mindset. Uh, and I get coaches coming up to me saying, how, how can I learn? Where, where are the classes? What are the courses I can take? Help us out here. Where would, where would a, a coach who comes to you for advice on mindset and wants to learn more about this incredible science, where do they need to go? What do they need to do? Yeah, I think you can go to, um, for coaches, any of the, the classic, you know, mind gym sports books, but it's always helpful to talk to any, you know, certified mental health professional or, or specifically sports psychologist um, or mindset specialist to kind of say, hey, I read about this concept. Do you have any ideas on how to put that in action? Because I think that's where the professional side comes from, right? Is actually, we read about grit and we read about um, belief, and we read about imagery, but it looks different when you have 50 kids staring at you, or, you know, a bunch of people where their livelihood, professional athletes, where their livelihood is based on this thing you're saying. Um, it's a lot harder to put into action. And so working with a professional that, that um, you know, is something I often do, and I think a lot of mindset coaches do, is is working with them to say, hey, this this activity might be really great before your playoff season. And going back and forth and really sharpening that. Um, or, hey, uh, I have a lot of coaches that will actually ask if I'll watch their practices or their games and, and give them feedback on the way that they're um, talking to their athletes or motivating them or handling timeouts or why they're not getting this drill in practice. Um, and it will be really beneficial that way and collaborating together. And, and typically, how long do you work with a with an athlete? I mean, is, is, is there a prescribed amount of sessions that you're going to do or is it just kind of like off the cuff? Yeah, it's different for, it's different for everybody. I, I'm sure people have like, you know, one size fits all kind of thing. I don't necessarily think that works. Um, I, there's some athletes that I will see who are 
highly motivated and, and very insightful and are, are at the maybe whatever level they're at um, and maybe have one roadblock that they're dealing with and they need some skills or they're performing really well and they just want to capture that zone again. Um, that may be one or two sessions. Now, if I have somebody with the yips or somebody who's having consistent conflict with coaches or with their teammates, um, or dealing with a mental health issue, that might take a little bit longer because there's layers to that. We have to deal sort of with the mental health issue, and then we can get to the mental skills and, and you know communicating with coach and relationship building. So, Kat, this podcast is heard by parents, coaches, administrators, players. How do they get in touch with you if they want to work on mindset? Yeah, so um, uh, we actually have, I work with um, Dr. Terry Hastings in her private practice, and she's the clinical sports psychologist for the um, LA Rams. And I've been fortunate. She's my clinical supervisor, so finishing up my hours that way. Um, and she is starting, and, and, you know, I get to be part of this, this um sort of in Westlake Village thing called sports, it's called it sports psychology. And it's a, um, you know, kind of one house of just a bunch of different sports bikes who specialize in different things and are going to reach out to the community. And we'll reach out to coaches, we'll reach out to administrators, clubs, um, work with athletes, a whole bunch of different things, but it's all going to be under one roof, which is really nice. Um, and that will be called Sports Psychology, and it's in Westlake Village. And you can reach out that way. Um, if not working with myself, we have plenty of sports bikes who specialize in so many different areas. Um, it's going to be, it's a really cool, cool situation. And the first thing I've seen like that, especially um, in Southern California. Are you on Twitter? Yes, but I'm terrible at it. I am so terrible at social media. <laughs> we have to know our weaknesses and social media is my is not my place but i do have one um at i want to say cat scardino that's probably what it is <laughs> well i well i know that the the kids today this is how they they uh they usually connect on twitter and instagram well cat thank you so much for joining the mm -hmm. bear and the bull this has been so insightful and it really is perhaps one of the most important things that we can do for ourselves, not only on the field of sports, but for our lives in general. It has really been a fascinating 40-odd minutes. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Kat Scardino really is a mindset expert, and we definitely want to continue the work that's going to make us all great athletes, great coaches, great administrators, and great parents. As always, lots of information on the CalSouth website. Go to CalSouth.com or you can follow us on Instagram, CalSouthSoccer, Twitter at CalSouthSoccer, and of course, Facebook. I'm Nick Webster. This has been The Bear and the Ball. We'll catch you next week.